0: Welcome to episode 84 of Peculiar Journeys. Well, in the news this week, uh, this has been a very interesting week in the news. One of the things that I'm noticing is the protests have devolved. The protests have simply become a thing to do. In fact, I I, I read that in the early days, now there are two things that are concerning. The first thing, which is weird and we're not going to talk about right now, is the fact that... uh, cell phone companies are working with the government to be able to identify the demographics of people that are actually in the protests. That's fucking problematic. That's weird and not cool and kind of Big Brotherish. However, that aside, we'll get to that later, that aside, one of the things that I read that I thought was very interesting is that the uh, third day of the George Floyd protests in Los Angeles, 2% of the protesters were black. And the rest were mid- like middle-class, 22-year-old white people. Now that is. While I think it's heartening to see white people coming out to support George Floyd protests, the difficulty that we're seeing now is that the protests have become more about what the white kids want than Black Lives Matter. What the protests are becoming is this long, big, wide, shallow. Instead of uh, looking forward to or trying to work toward police uh, reform. What the protests are doing is they're just widening the field. It's like, okay, we've got some energy, so we really wanted Bernie Sanders to come in and give us free college and free health care and work work on that democratic socialism. We didn't get what we wanted, so let's co-opt this particular energy and make it about all the shit we want, which is just exactly what Black Lives Matter is against. It makes me crazy. Um, And what I've noticed is, and this is one of the things that I I just read, Um, this is Black Lives Matter attempts to start riot at Dallas Restaurant and get denounced by black patrons. And basically what happened was uh, the Black Lives Matter activists, that's what they're calling themselves, showed up in a downtown Dallas and attempted to escalate tensions but found themselves denounced by black patrons who were just having dinner. Um, One of the things that was noted in the in the, the the incident is that the majority of the actors activists, activists were young white people it said in an article in fact it would appear that there were more black families attempting to enjoy a meal at the restaurant than there were activists conducting the protests they came out here one of the guys said they came out here to create a scene and now they're acting like they're the oppressed people just get get it in your heads white kids you're not oppressed there's nothing about you that's oppressed okay, and and I said this, I wrote about this in literate not too long ago. It's like the idea, if you want to foment real change utilizing protests, you got to be specific. And early on in the protests were about police reform. That is a good protest. That is a focused, absolute specific goal to have as you continue to expand it to be against the system and all of the different things that you want in the system you're gonna screw this up and 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 it's one of the things that's making me a little nuts is that you're actually you're actually giving credence to every bullshit thing Trump says so that I mean and it's one of the things was like stop do me a favor stop making me defend Donald Trump because I think Donald Trump is the biggest comically idiot it's the worst president. I mean, I, I think we, what I can say now is we live in a time um, where we're, we're part of history, which is kind of exciting. I know that uh, in my lifetime, the things that are history I saw, I lived through the, the, the falling of the Berlin Wall. That's a piece of history that I was a part of. But even though I was sort of not even really adjacent to it, I was alive when it happened. Um, a little more directly, I was a part of the election of the first black man as the President of the United States, two terms, and I was part of that. I don't know if that'll ever happen again. I hope it will, but i I, I have my my question I, I question whether that'll ever happen again. Um, we're part of a pandemic. We're part of uh, an what is the beginning of what I believe is going to be the next great depression. I mean this is uh, this is history we're living, but stop making me defend. The, the fact and this is what I did, and it's like Trump. When Trump says things that are factually true, do me a favor, provide context, but don't say he's lying. When Trump goes on the news and says, you know, more white men are are killed by cops than black men, don't say that's not true because that's the facts. The data is the data's very specific that more white people are killed by police than black people. That doesn't... Provide the context of disproportionate numbers of uh, more black and, and Latino men being more like physically roughed up than white people, but he, what he said was true: more white men are killed by cops. The protesters on the West Coast are mostly anarchists. What they are is they are are mostly white people, white kids with cell phones expanding the protests to become more wide and shallow and less effective. So uh, do me a favor. Stop making it so that I have to like look at what Trump says and go, well, he's right about that because that's some bullshit. That's just, ah, uh, you're making me nuts. All right, one of the things that I noticed this week and I was thinking about this and I thought, I'm just kind of looking at it and I realized that the, the extreme woke and racists, just flat out, we're not apologizing, we are racist. we are white supremacists and national, you know, white nationalists and this shit, is that the woke and these white nationalists seem to actually agree on a lot of shit. I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but it just occurred to me, it's like, okay, so both the woke and white nationalists believe, pretty pretty firmly, that racial identity... Is pretty much the highest priority. That our race is the most important aspect of our identity. You know, both the woke and the racists seem to look at everything through the lens of race. Both parties, both the woke and racists, want to roll back discrimination laws so that we can go back to hiring based solely on race. Ah... You know, uh, both are against interracial relationships. Now, that's a little bit sketchy, but, like, white nationalists say you don't mix the races, and the woke say that, you know, black men who date white women have internalized white supremacy, and white men who date uh, ethnic women have fetishized race. It's like, what the fuck? Um, Ultimately, it's an interesting thing to see that the parallel, the the, the common denominator is that the woke and the racists really want separation. That's their goal. They want to separate us by race. That's the goal of both the woke and white nationalists. And quite frankly, it's very interesting that that extraordinarily both the woke and white nationalists are extraordinarily highly anti-Semitic. This is weird and I'm not sure how we deal with this. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think this is something for us to come to grips with, and I think it's for the 64% of us in the middle of the country that, that are not on the extremes to kind of wake up and kind of uh, get our own mo- moment of being awoke and say, wait a minute, this is, we're we're letting these two extremes dictate policy. There have always been crackpots. I highly recommend, if you want to really dive in deep, uh, read Charlie Pierce's Idiot America to get a sense of how we've always had crackpots in this country. We've always had these extremes. It's never going to change. The difference is, right now, the extremes have the megaphone. And that's, they're getting to dictate policy because they're loud. That's about it. Um, It doesn't mean they're right. And it doesn't mean that they have great ideas. It means that they're, they're, they're both trying to separate us as opposed to get us to kind of come together and unify. And that is, I think, in a democracy, just the beginnings of authoritarianism on either side. And that's not good. Yeah, on a personal level, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. Things are are widening. Um, we're getting more and more cases. I, I have conversations almost on a daily basis because uh, everybody's concerned about it in the casino. I had a conversation yesterday with a guy, and I hear it over and over. People saying, "Oh, well, you know, those cases—they're just paying people to—they're paying hospitals to say people died of COVID." Oh, it's so inflated. Oh, there's like it's it, it's this. Denial of what is right in front of us, which is a pandemic. And as I said yesterday, I said, "Well, I said that's I, I could be wrong. That's my my go-to. I could be wrong." I said, "But my perspective is the sky is not falling, but this is way bigger than a fucking acorn, and we have to take it seriously, or it's going to become the sky is falling." You know, and that's kind of where we're at. I don't think people are focused enough on the—I mean, we're so sh- so focused on the short term that we're not even bothering to look at the big picture. And the big picture is we're headed for a Great Depression if we don't get at least some control. I mean, Trump is right. Again, Trump is right about something in the dumbest way when he says— eventually i'll be right it'll disappear the disease of the coronavirus will disappear well yeah he's right in the same way that i can say hey that clock is broken but eventually it will be 2 two fourteen p.m i mean come on what a bunch of shit so ultimately that's 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 kind of where things are at um i still go in i'm tired i've been working a whole lot and uh and that's all right Again, I'm not going to complain. I work for a casino that during the uh, shutdown, they paid all the employees. I didn't miss a check and mostly just had to sit and make sure that the property didn't get robbed. Um, Did a lot of cleaning. But at the end of the day, I have no complaints. If they ask me to work a little extra, um, I am all about that. We're training a new manager and he's working graveyard shift. And uh, I told him, well, if you have any problems, give me a call. And uh, and the, his first night on his own, he called at 12:30 a.m. and 1:30 a.m. and 2:45 a.m. and 3:15 a.m. and 4:30 a.m. And it's like I just laid on the couch and put the phone next to me because it it, it just seemed like it was never going to stop. Again, I'm not complaining. He's learning. I love that. But Jesus Christ, am I tired? You know, I just I'm just pooped. Um, So that's what's going on in the personal update. I have a piece that I published on Literate Ape that I would like to share with you. It was one of the weirdest days. And I I was talking to one of my uh, slot techs and just mentioned how weird that day was. And he went, you know, that was, I had the same kind of day. Maybe there was something in the air. Maybe there was something going on. Because, I mean, that particular Saturday, weirdness, at least in Las Vegas, was fucking everywhere. Something must be in the air. Or maybe it's an electricity thing. Hard to say. As the world seems to teeter at all times on the knife's edge between sanity and lunacy, I suppose there are just certain fulcrum points that tip the balance. An ordinary enough day in the tides of pandemic. My mind filled with barbed-wired jabs of the comically inept president as he lurches forward toward full-out and unapologetic white supremacy in his flailing attempt to be elected again, of watching the right side of the political spectrum drown itself by remaining chained to the anvil called trump The gaslighting by the left as the Twitter monolith screams that the surge of coronavirus had nothing to do with the hundreds of thousands in protest and a smaller cabal still improbably trolling J.K. Rowling for questioning their orthodoxy. The looming depression that no one seems to take too seriously as the culture wars have also canceled even the realities of the hottest days on the planet, slowly boiling us like frogs in the experiment of a psychopathic sixth grader. Just a new normal Saturday at the West. Until one. Slam! Crunchy, crunchy, slam, slam! A man's voice. Get the fuck, stop it, fucking crazy ass! Slam! Give me my motherfucking money! The men's room. Two sinks, two urinals, one stall. Because there are no surveillance cameras in the toilet, our men's room is a focal point for quick drug deals, pimp-meet-john meetings and the occasional blow job. The women's room is where the prostitutes wash their bits and pieces and charge their phones, but the men's is where the action is. I pop in at the sound of slamming and screaming. Despite the sometimes sketchy clientele, the music of true violence is remarkably rare in the casino. A woman, black, six foot or so, probably 250 pounds, is kicking the living shit out of the locked stall door. On the other side comes the squalling of a man cowering behind with only an inch of plastic partition held by a 45-cent lock. Whoa, lady, this is the men's room. You need to get out of here. It's the first thing that comes to mind, the idea that a woman shouldn't be in here, rather than the kicking and the screaming. She sees me and stops. She stomps out and declares, he stole my fucking money. The radio in my hip. M.O.D. to security, I could use your help at the men's room right away, please. Even in the microwaves of conflict, I still try to say please when using the floor radio. My wife wishes I did that more at home. After a moment of confusion, the clouds part and the sunlight of understanding starts to seep out. She claims she dropped money on the floor and the white man picked it up and ran into the bathroom, locking himself in. He claims she's crazy, but only through the still-locked stall. He ain't coming out. Her friend, boyfriend, who looks like his skull is made of all bone, like a human pit bull with eyes glazed with one too many Hennessy's, keeps trying to muscle past me into the john to extract the money. I do that thing I do when I raise up my arms and slowly push the energy down to my sides, effectively conducting this orchestra of human chaos. Okay, let's take a beat. How much money did you lose? I don't know. I need a number. $400. Cash? Or was it a slot ticket? Cash. It fell out of my pocket and he took it. Did you see him take it? Pitbull barks yes at the same time she says no. Meanwhile, two security officers are in the toilet grilling the accused. His face mask is wadded up under his chin. It's pretty dirty. He empties his pockets, some gum, a wadded-up slot ticket for $19 and change, rolling papers, no $400. She starts to get loud again. Hold on. We can't do a search on him, but if you want, I can call surveillance to see if you dropped some money and if he then picked it up. Take me five minutes. She looks at the pit bull. She looks at the freaked-out bathroom evacuee. Nah, he looks like he needs the money. He can keep it. And she turns, mutters, come on. And the two walk with purpose out the west doors. The white man with the rolling papers, I asked my security guys to escort off the property to the east. I'm not entirely certain what scam was being played, but the stink of chicanery is too strong. Best to be rid of the full trio. Two. Help! 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 What is it about the men's room today? Again... I walk into the toilet. Engineers have come and gone and repaired the stall door just from the kickboxing woman. I I don't know what to expect, do I ever in this joint, so I'm prepared for just about anything. I can't shit! It's as likely you'd be sold a Chia Pet by a man wearing nothing but a fur coat, leather cowboy hat, and a diaper in Saks Fifth Avenue as see me rendered speechless, but here it is. I have no words. My mind is struggling to find purchase with this information and is failing. Did you hear me? I... I heard you. I can't shit! Yeah, I got that part. I'm not sure what it is you'd like me to do about that. Well? a pause. I can't shit. It hurts. My security supervisor, one of the officers before, comes in to see what's up. Sir, we don't have Xlax in the gift shop. I, I suppose... If you could unlock the stall, I could jump up and down on your stomach. The officer looks at me like he's trying to divine meaning from a three-hole brick with a wig. If it really hurts, we can call paramedics. No! All right, then. Uh, Maybe try relaxing. Breathe some. That works for me when I have one of those tree trunk shits. And the officer gets it and starts to giggle. I'll try that. Eight minutes later, the guy exits the men's room, a full 350 pounds of heart attack country in a t-shirt and suspenders. Everything come out all right? I couldn't help myself. Three. Ordinary cat strolls into the casino, nice black face mask, slacks, dress shirt, a plastic baby doll clutched to his chest like it was his child. Wait, what? What? He wanders around the floor in between the Game Kings and the Buffalo Golds. One hears the word wander, and this is exactly what it means. No specific place in mind, not really noticing anything around him. This guy is wandering. Sure enough, as has been the destination point for most of this afternoon, he heads to the men's room. At this juncture, our gentleman's toilet has become like the sewer in Derry, Main, conjured by the Master of Horror. Five minutes later, he comes out. Still holding the doll like a Fabergé egg. He wanders a bit more than strolls out the way he came. 4. Wham! Wham! Oh, for fuck's sake. At least it isn't coming from the bathroom. In the middle of the casino, an older man is balling up his fist and punching the Game King multi screen hard. I say older man as if that indicates anything about his age. Time has a bizarre effect on the body, and he's in the odd zone between 50 and 85. I'm 54 and still get the random assumption that I'm a decade younger. I know 54-year-old men who have been ravaged a bit by bad genetics, bad nutrition, and maybe too much desert sun, and could be confused with sandstone and leather. Who the fuck knows how old this guy is? Suffice it to say, he ain't a kid anymore for some time and back. A half-jog over, and as he goes in for another, wham, I grab his wrist. Assault! Assault! He's assaulting me! You're assaulting me! Assault! Dude, you can call it assault if you want, seriously. Or you could call it, I don't know, defensive property. Or maybe you could call it me protecting your hand. Maybe I'm just trying to make sure you don't hurt yourself. Whatever you call it. What the hell did this machine do to you? It stole my money. This generally translates to, I made a bet and lost, and it means exactly that in this case. Listen, ordinarily I'd just 86 you off the property and you'd be prevented from ever coming back, but I can tell you've had a few cocktails, so how about you call it a night and come back when you're in better headspace? I like to use the the pseudo-religious phrasing of the pretentious as it means to nudge these types off balance. makes me seem quasi-mystical like a therapist or a warlock. It seems to work as the word headspace causes him to blink a few times. You know what they'd do to you in 1963, punching the equipment, right? What? They'd pry three of your teeth out and break your left kneecap. We don't do that sort of thing today, even if we want to, you see. Go home. Sleep it off. When you come back, we need to be clear. When you lose a bet, do not hit the machines. Understand? When you lose a bet, do not hit the machines. 5. In my office. It's dark outside, but it's still 102 degrees. I'm working on forecasting my bar sales. The Nevada governor shut down all bars in the state last week, and I'm doing my best to order product to compensate for this. I call on the radio for a guest opportunity at the front desk. I'm not the hotel manager, but I am the manager on duty, so when someone needs an authority figure to intervene, I'm the guy. At first glance, she's a prostitute. Tall, incredible legs, long black wig, skin-tight dark blue dress that looks fantastic next to her luminous ebony skin. Her shoes, what my wife would call stripper shoes, give her at least two inches of lift. So much purple and pink eyeshadow that it practically floats up and in front of her face. Her applique nails are the same color and like a hot black wolverine are at least three and a half inches long. She seems pretty worked up about something. You seem pretty worked up about something. How can I help? Oh, I'm worked up. I'm trying to get a room for my friend. She's out in the car. She's drunk, 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 like very, very drunk, and they won't rent me a room for her. She's attempting to rent the room with her drunk, drunk friend's ID and credit card, which is not allowed. Well, we can't use your friend's ID or credit card without her approval. If you want to rent the room for her, we'll need your ID. Nah, I ain't paying for it. I'm trying to be a good friend by making sure she can get a room. And then the crocodile tears. One can see the difference between the performative tears and the real deal because the theatrical weep comes solely from the eyes. The genuine article starts from the mouth. All I want to do is take care of my friend. I hear you. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't rent the room without her approval, Is she able to at least come in here and tell us we could use her credit card? I can get her, but she's drunk as hell. She might be real out of control. I think we can handle out of control. We see plenty of drunk as hell around here. Do you mind? She leaves. I call over a security officer, the one with the blonde mullet, who's recently been told he needs to cut his hair if he wants to move up to supervisor, and let him know what to expect. A few minutes later comes... In comes a a, a tiny tornado, a plastered five-foot Tasmanian devil, surely drunk as hell, drunk, drunk, and full of spite and unfocused rage. Ma'am, what the fuck you call a ma'am? I just need to see if you want to rent a room tonight. Fuck no! Foxy Brown pipes in. She needs this room. I told you she'd be this way. We need your approval in order to rent you a room. I don't want to stay here. I don't want your fucking room, cracker. I look at her friend, she shrugs as if to say, told you. Do you want to rent? And her face balls up like a fist. Her mouth opens wide and she bellows at a volume one would not expect from such a tiny package. No fucking way! She clumsily spins and stumbles out of the casino. Foxy's eyes do that thing when a woman wants to make a man's chub move. You see, is there any way you could just ignore the rules just once? I'm really sorry, we can't. If you want to rent it yourself, we can. Like a flash of static electricity, she goes from cooing to hissing. I'm not paying. She ain't gonna pay me back. You are cold-hearted. That's it, motherfucking cold-hearted. I can't believe you just say no to her when I'm just trying to be a good friend. She's still ranting as she heads to the exit, so I follow. She turns. You don't gotta walk me out like that. I ain't done nothing wrong. You don't gotta walk me out like you kicking me out or nothing. Oh, I wasn't. I thought you were still talking to me. Then go away. Don't walk me out. All right, no problem. Leave. Go do something. If you ain't leaving... She turns and plops down at one of the keynote. machines. Then I ain't leaving. I'm going to sit right here till you gone. I back up a step. She stares at me defiantly like a teenager refusing to stop texting at the dinner table. In fact, she pulls out her phone and starts playing with it. Okay. Well, that's fine. If you want to sit there, I have no problem with that, but you'll need to put a few dollars in the game and gamble if you want to stay. How about this? You have about two minutes to start gambling, and if not, then we'll escort you off the property. She sticks out her chin and looks like she's trying to make her density increase. Two minutes later, time to go. She gets up fast and starts walking. I don't realize it, but now she's using her phone camera and is talking to the six YouTube subscribers she has. This little bitch is kicking me out. If my friend who is drunk gets hurt, it's on you, little bitch. I am, indeed, a little bitch, and you are right. Earlier, it was me who forced liquor down your friend's throat. I didn't say little bitch, I said little dick. Well, I am Irish, so you're probably right. Finally, we get her to her car. She gets in, yells out one more motherfucker, and drives off. Officer Mullet looks at me. Hey, I'm Irish, and I don't have a little dick. Six. In Vegas, looks can deceive. A guest opportunity at the cage. The couple, a heavyset, white, trailer-park-looking woman with her tall, gangly ba- black boyfriend, are looking pretty sullen. We have a thing called Cash Club at the cage. Gamblers with a player's card can do a cash withdrawal based on their level of play out of their bank account. Usually, this is for a larger cash amounts. And these two do not look like they have six grand in the bank, but that's the withdrawal they're attempting. Unfortunately, her player's card indicates no level of gambling. Zero. Nada. I recognize them from other times they've been in. I ask if she uses her card when she plays. She doesn't. I explain to them that without some sort of record of her play, we can't cash the marker. While the dough is marked as pending in her account, it will be released in a few hours. They are not happy about this, but still more sullen than pissed. Fifteen minutes later, she's pissed. She claims she called her bank, and they tell her the funds won't be available for ten business days, and goddammit, why can't I just cash it already? She keeps walking in tiny circles as if to de-steam her anger. I tell her this isn't up to me. It's between her and her bank. She throws a cup. She huffs. She says, this is shit, come on, and storms out the west entrance, slamming the door hard enough to shake the frame. Her skinny boyfriend looks at me apologetically, turns, and skunks his way after her. Seven. It's getting late. Almost time for a shift change. I'm walking the property. We managers, along with security, walk the entire perimeter of the property in part to catch things missed, and in part to show guests that there are, in fact, sober adults around to help them should help be required. Around the corner of 900 building, and I hear what sounds like a man growling like a dog. As I turn, I see an oak tree of a man, huge and bearded like Paul Bunyan, wearing a wife-beater and basketball shorts, shaking the head of what looks like a sizable Irish setter and growling. Then he lurches forward and bites the canine on the ear, hard enough for the mutt to squeal a bit. ''Hey, hey, what?'' The man stops. He looks up, still holding the dog. ''Are you okay?'' ''Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not talking to you.'' As if he understands me, the dog begins wagging his tail. The looking-glass world of constant news is one of frustration and despair. As we stare into our personal voids surrounded by digital newsies hawking the latest thing to be horrified by... The machine starts to glitch out like an incandescent bulb on its last life. Humans are bizarre in normal paintings, but the world is being drawn by Escher and Dolly just lately, so the phrase, expect the unexpected, is now more a dire warning than a piece of self-help. Every staircase winds in upon itself. Every clock is melting. The why of behavior is an endless fascination, but I ain't Freud, and my job isn't to figure out the mania, but to deal with it as best I can. My wife tells me the night is a success because no police were called, no one was hurt, and I made it home in one piece, and knock on wood, free of COVID. Tomorrow will be, as the redundancy dictates, another day, and you'll find me at the corner of I-15 and Tropicana, at the casino, at the end of the world. All things being equal, it's not a bad place to hang my hat, have a smoke, and curate the loony bin. At least the view is spectacular. And that's the show. Hey, thanks for listening. I mean, I—that's it, it, the thing—is I not a lot of people listen to Peculiar Journeys, and I'm okay with that. I'm not, uh, not on a, I'm not on social media so anymore, and so I don't really have a whole lot of ways of promoting uh, my podcast and the work that I'm doing. But I'm having fun doing it, and ultimately, isn't that what arts about? I've always subscribed to the idea that it—that the size of the audience is less important than than the opportunity to create something interesting. I hope. Um, if you're still listening, that you find what I'm doing interesting, uh, I remember Diana, a friend of mine from Chicago, said that it was she liked to tune in and listen to the Peculiar Journeys podcast because it was sort of like those nights in Chicago when we'd go out to a bar and I would just sit and hold court. Well, I'm i I'm pretty good at holding court, so um, I hope you're enjoying me holding court and sharing stories. And if you are, share it with somebody. That'd be good. That'd be very cool. Um, I'm not really looking to make a whole lot of money. If you want to throw me some money, go to patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys. Throw me a couple bucks. That's always a nice thing. But uh, I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate it if you share it with somebody. And that's the whole deal. Have a fucking great week, and I will talk to you on the flip. Peculiar Journeys is an ever-evolving podcast of stories and personal thoughts by Las Vegas resident Don Hall. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and review it. Give it a star rating. Uh, It certainly helps other listeners find the podcast. If you are so motivated uh, to throw a few dollars my way to help support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash peculiar journeys and become a VIP patron. Even a dollar a month is better than zero a month, and we'd really appreciate it. I, I certainly would appreciate it. But if not, try and enjoy it. Share it with somebody. Thank you very much for listening and have a great week.